today is week four and our final part of this series that we've called 10. All month long, it's been an incredible series to be a part, and I'm glad that you're with me watching by church online or either listening by a podcast. All month, we've been talking about how to multiply our lives. The whole idea has been getting the most out of the life that God has given to us. And we've talked about various topics all month long. In week one of this series, we celebrated 10 years as Cultivate Church. Uh, we talked about some of our values and some of the things that we stand on. And we really believe that if we adopt these values and begin to live those out and express those to a greater level this year that we will set an incredible foundation for our life. And then in week two, we just took it down to the basics, to the foundation of our faith. We talked about some very basic fundamentals, basic mathematics of things that we can live out that will help us literally multiply and get the most out of our life this year. Last week, we broke down some of the complications. Sometimes, Life is just complicated. Sometimes all of this can feel a little complicated, and so we talk through some of that. I want to challenge you, if you've missed any of those messages, go back and catch those. You can get them on the church app. You can get them on the website. You can get them through any podcast platform, YouTube. There's so many easy ways to connect and to listen to all of our messages. Today, I want to remind you that this whole series, everything we've talked about in multiplying our lives and getting the most out of our purpose and our potential and the time that we have on this planet has come out of a verse of Scripture. Look at it right there on the screen with me. Psalms 90 and 12 says, So teach us to number our days. That word number is very important that we may cultivate, I like that word, and bring to you a heart of wisdom. So teach us to number our days. This whole series, multiply us. Let us live out a greater purpose around cultivate. If you're around here for any length of time, you know we like to say to live life on purpose, meaning that every day is purposed in something, that every day has a purpose in it, even in the mundane stuff. Even in the stuff that you don't think is very important. The getting up, the getting ready, the going to work, hanging out with your work people. Sometimes we like to compartmentalize and we think this group of people is important. Uh, this group of people is not really that important. I like these and I don't like those. And I like this place and I don't like that place. We, we compartmentalize things and we put a lot of importance usually on the things that we enjoy, usually on the things that bring us uh, pleasure. However, in every segment or compartment of our life, God has purposed us. So God, teach us to number by days and realize the brevity of life. The life is fleeting. The Bible says it's like a mist. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Life is but a vapor. So God, teach us that today matters. This moment that I have right now matters. Reality is... I may not have tomorrow. I may not have next week, next month, or next year. My future plans may not come to fruition because today is all that I know that I have right here in this moment. So God, teach me the importance to number the days and realize the potential that I have right now for this very second so that we may cultivate 
Cultivate. Why do we call it cultivate church? Because it means to grow. It means to care for. It means to work with great intent, to produce something. And so for us, we're cultivating a passion for God, a passion for people, and a passion for our purpose. We're cultivating the work of heaven so that we can help build eternity. So the number of days that I have, the time that I have, I'm to work it. I'm to grow. I'm to dig in. I'm to have a work ethic to help cultivate something so that we may bring to you, to God, a heart of wisdom. I think that term bring to you is also important because it puts in perspective that my life and yours is to bring something to the Lord is to present an offering to Him. That what I produce with my life is an offering unto the Lord. You know, the Bible says when we get to heaven, we're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I love this because it doesn't just say, hello, my faithful servant. It doesn't just say, hey, you hung in there, uh, you avoided sin, you, you, you waited until the end, you, you stood the test of time. No, he says, well done. In other words, you did something, you accomplished something, you cultivated. You realize the importance of your moment, the brevity of life. You realize that I gave you a certain amount of time. You live life on purpose. You cultivated the moment and you helped make heaven a bigger place. Well done. Today, I want us to recognize the great opportunity we have to live life on purpose, to make a difference so that we can present something to the Lord. Some of you watching or listening today, you are, you're living for the Lord and you're, you're trying to produce and you're trying to overcome yourself and your own problems and your own difficulties to see the needs in the lives of others. And then some of us today, maybe you're watching or listening and you don't even have a personal relationship with Jesus and you're just trying to make it through life. Well, I believe the principles that I want to talk to you today are actually going to help you greatly. I titled your message today, Get Those Gains. Get Those Gains. It's a pretty universal statement, a pretty universal saying, depending on, uh, I, I guess, the context of if you've used it or not. So, for example... I love to work out, I love to exercise, and, uh, and my goal is to get those gains. It's to get a little bit bigger, it's to get a little bit more healthy, it's to, it's to be able to gain from my work, the, the cultivating that I'm doing in that gym. I want to get some gains from it. I want to see a little bit of progress. I want my arms to grow a little bit. You know, Hulk Hogan had those 24-inch pythons. Uh, I wouldn't hate it if I could get those 24-inch pythons, but I've just discovered that it's probably not going to happen. But every day that I go, I work hard hoping to get some gains. Maybe you've been working hard at your New Year's resolution this year. You've been trying to lose some weight, get your life in order, your health in order, your family in order, your schedule in order, your finances in order. Hopefully, you're getting some gains from the work that you're doing. If you're in finance, many people would say, I need to get those gains. I need to get gains out of the stock market. I need to get a return on investment, an ROI. You want to get those gains. Today, I want to help you discover how to get the gains out of 2022 the way God has intended us to do it. If we're going to multiply my life, that's a gain. Multiplication is gaining. It, it's getting something. It's growing something. It's becoming bigger than I am right now. It is to multiply 
It's multiplication. That's what this series is about. Ten, multiplying my life, multiplying my purpose, multiplying my passion for the Lord. So how do we get those gains? Well, I believe the Bible actually gives us a blueprint from the life of someone that maybe you've heard about. I think they're pretty important if you don't know much about this individual. His name is Jesus. He's the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He's our hope. He's our redemption. He is the, the, the one, the truth, the life. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, if, you, if you've not connected to him, I would encourage you to study him out. Today, we're going to do that. We're going to discover, actually, three gains that Jesus got. We're going to pattern after what happened in his life so that you and I could have the gains that Jesus was able to get. And I'm going to show you through Scripture how we can do it. I want you to take a look on the screen with me. Luke 2.52 says this about the gains in Jesus' life. Here's what it says. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You see, the Bible gives us a blueprint here of literally how Jesus had growth in his life. The Bible says Jesus grew. That means Jesus was progressing. It means there was some multiplication in his life. It means that Jesus understood the brevity of life, that he had a number of days to his life. Jesus cultivated a lot while he was walking this earth. He cultivated people. He cultivated the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding of eternity and of things to come. He cultivated faith in people and faith in God. He literally came and helped us reconnect back to a relationship with God. He delivered something, presented something to the Father. When Jesus was baptized, God said, that's my son. In Him, I'm, I'm well pleased. You see, Jesus presented something to the Lord. But the Bible says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor, both with God and with man. Today, I want to help us to be able to get those gains, how we grow in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. Today, we're going to get those gains. Gains. So I want to pray for us today, and then we're going to dive into God's Word together. So, Father, thank you for all of my friends watching online today with me, listening by podcast. God, I pray that this Word would inspire us to get those gains, to get better, to grow, to take uh, advantage of the time that we have. God, so that we can make the most of this moment. God, so that we can cultivate work with intent. God, to present to you something that honors you. So, Father, today, I pray that this word would change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So three areas in which Jesus got those gains, and I want to help you with them today. Number one on your outline, write this down if you're taking notes, is that getting gains intellectually is important. Jesus grew in wisdom. We need to get gains intellectually. Meaning that our mind must grow, our wisdom must grow, our understanding must grow, our intellect must grow. Look at what the Bible says in James chapter 1 verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. I actually think this verse of scripture is a little humorous. 
Because the Bible says, if you need wisdom, underline the word wisdom there in your notes if you can. If you need wisdom, let's ask our generous God. That word if there, I think, is what is humorous. Because I don't know one person listening to the sound of my voice or one person walking on this planet that doesn't need a little wisdom. You see, we all think that we're wise in our own eyes. However, we need a little more wisdom. And not wisdom that we can just get on our own. Not wisdom that you can just get from Google. Not wisdom that you just get from the magazine or from Twitter or from social media. However, the wisdom that comes from God himself. And the Bible says, if you need wisdom, ask your generous God. Meaning... He's generous. He's got plenty and he wants to give it to you. He will give it to you and he will not rebuke you for asking. If you need wisdom. I want to ask you a question today. How long has it been since you said to yourself, I need a little more wisdom? I need a little more understanding. See, here's what I think happens. Over time, many of us become wise in our own eyes. We don't think we need help. Pride becomes number one. It becomes our focal point. It becomes the lens in which we see. We don't think that it does, but it does. Because we think we know better. We think we know better than everyone else. In our culture today, everything is subjective. I feel this way. I think this, I know what the Bible says, but that's outdated. I know, but, see, we like to put it all together in our own terms. As a matter of fact, next month we're going to begin a series called Vintage. We're going to be looking at some vintage way of living. See, what the world would say is outdated. We're going to look at some vintage principles out of God's Word that applies to every area of our life. Why? Because we've become wise in our own eyes. We think we know, and we don't want anybody else telling us. But we need God to step in and bring us some of His wisdom. Just last week, um, our church, we took our student ministry to a basketball game here in Birmingham. And uh, I took my little boy, and uh, he's five, and, and it was his first basketball game that he had ever attended. And if you know much about us, we don't do sports in my house. I'm not a sports guy. I don't sit on, on the couch on Saturdays watching the game. I don't follow ESPN. I don't follow sports stars. Somebody in the youth group asked me a couple of weeks ago, they said, hey, Pastor Brandon, can you name five people who are currently playing professional sports? And uh, I mean, to be honest, I, I couldn't even name five people that were playing professional sports. And so I was telling my son uh, that we're going to go watch a professional basketball game. And he was so excited. I mean, he was pumped about it. He couldn't wait to go see this game. And he kept saying, Dad, is it time to go watch the baseball game? And I said, hey, bud, we're going to watch basketball. And he said, I know, Dad, I know, I know, I know. And he kept saying baseball as we were talking about the basketball game. And I'm thinking, look, man, you don't know our reputation. We're not known to be sports people. So I need you to say this correctly because people are already feeling bad for us. And so I said, hey, buddy, it's basketball, not baseball. And he said, Dad, I know. Will you stop correcting me and just go with it? And I laughed at him because he said, Dad, I, I don't want you to correct me. God, if I say baseball, just go with it. What difference does it make if I say baseball or basketball? 
And so I said, man, you don't want me to let you walk around saying baseball when everybody else knows it's basketball and you're saying the wrong thing. You see, the problem with my five-year-old is that he wanted to be wise in his own eyes. In his own eyes and his own determination, it did not matter what the truth was. The wisdom, the intellect was not his priority. It didn't matter. Many of us are living life that way today. It's often said that common sense is a superpower because there's a lot of crazy thoughts. There's a lot of crazy decisions. There's a lot of crazy lifestyles. We've got the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, robbing us from the wisdom of God, and it has been replaced by the wisdom of man. And the Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and that, and that we have to align ourselves with what God's truth actually is. One of my favorite uh, stories and examples of incredible God-given wisdom is with King Solomon in the Old Testament. Solomon was a king, and he was known as the wisest man on earth. And even though he was wise, he made a lot of mistakes. But there's a famous story that you'll find in 1 Kings chapter 3. If you want to write that down and go back and read that later on, 1 Kings chapter 3. If you're doing your daily Bible reading with us, we'll get there pretty soon. But in 1 Kings chapter 3, there's a famous story of two women who bring uh, their baby to King Solomon. And these two women, I picture it, it's like a courtroom setting. Uh, you, have, you have two ladies who have a disagreement and they're looking to Solomon as the mediator, as the, as the official, or as the judge. There's a new show with Steve Harvey that he's a judge and I crack up at all the people and all the cases and all of his responses. And I picture some setting like that. And these women come before Solomon and say, Hey, King, look, uh, I had a baby. And she had a baby, just a few days apart. And in the middle of the night, she rolled over on her baby and killed her baby in her sleep. And in the middle of the night, she swapped our babies. So when I woke up, my baby was dead. Yet when I looked at my baby, I realized that was not my baby at all. And the other woman goes, no, I didn't do that. And she says, yes, you did. And in my mind, I mean, the Bible doesn't say this part, but I'm just picturing like clawing and hair grabbing and hair pulling and, and they're climbing over everybody and, and there's a cop with a badge and he's trying to separate them. Ladies get apart. That's just the way I view it. But these ladies, both of them very passionate in their argument. I mean, it's literally the loss of a child. A, a child's life has been lost you have two women here who are now fighting over the baby who is alive. Emotions are running high. Hurt is, is evident. I mean, it's a really, really bad situation. And there sits King Solomon with two ladies expecting him to bring the answer. Now, as these ladies are presenting this, I know both of them have their picture in their mind of how he's going to resolve this. Who he's going to believe and who he's going to pick and who he's going to call to be the mother. But this is what he says. He takes the baby, I picture this, and lays the baby down. And then the Bible says that he says, bring me a sword. And at this point, I know these ladies are like, what is happening here? He says, bring me a sword. And he gets his sword and he says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to cut this baby in half. And you get a half 
and you get a half. The only way to settle this and the only way to make this even is if both of you get a portion of this baby and then you both win. And as soon as he says this, one of the ladies speaks up and says, don't do it, give her the baby. I would rather the baby live and go with her than to die. And then the other woman speaks up. And the craziest thing happens. Remember, common sense is a superpower. Wisdom, pride. She says, hey, just, just, just cut it in half. We'll, we'll separate it and we'll both walk away with a piece of the baby. And Here's where Solomon in his wisdom, he says, give the baby to the one who is going to give it away. Give the baby to the one who is going to, be, who is going to spare this child's life. Because a true mother would not let harm come to her child. You see, the Bible says that in all the things that Solomon could have asked of God, he asked for God's wisdom. So in moments where our emotions are running high, in moments where everyone is depending on you, when everyone is looking at you, men, when you are supposed to lead your family spiritually according to the Bible, and there's that much pressure, you need God's wisdom. When we're navigating trying to raise our kids, lead our business, navigate our ministry, our calling, our time on this earth, the brevity of life, we need the wisdom of God. Look at Isaiah 11, two verses, uh, chapter 11, verses 2 and 3 with me. This is a description of the wisdom of Jesus. It says, The Spirit of the Lord rests on him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance, nor make a decision based on hearsay. This is a great description of the wisdom that was given to Jesus. Jesus was, was man walking. He was, he was flesh and blood, just like you and me. He had to spend a lot of time with God in prayer, separated. We've talked about that this month, about how Jesus got alone from everyone. And he got alone with God to talk to God. And that's how he prepared himself for every day that he lived out his life on purpose. And so the Bible says that as he's spending that time with God, I believe that it's this wisdom that he's asking from God that the Bible says was given to Jesus. It says that the Spirit of the Lord would rest on him. Can I tell you something today? That if you're going to get the wisdom of God, you need the very presence and Spirit of God living in your life. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is the very presence of God living in our life. You need to get alone with God and you need to ask the presence of God to live in your life. For some of you, that sounds crazy. You don't understand that. I mean, how does that even work? Well, look, all you have to do is ask. The Bible said if you lack wisdom, if you ask of God, He would generously give it to you. He wouldn't withhold it from you. So what you need from God, you ask for Him. You ask for His presence in your life. And then you get the spirit of wisdom. When you have to navigate, make those hard decisions... When you have to choose yes or no, right or wrong, left or right, what's up and what's down, what's the right move to make and you need the wisdom, well, you ask God and the Spirit of God gives you the wisdom and the understanding. Wisdom and understanding comes from God. The Spirit of counsel. 
In other words, you get the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit, that will nudge you which way to go and which decision to make. Unless you've experienced the very presence of God helping you, it's, it's hard to fathom, it's hard to understand. The Bible says that it's like a still, small voice. That it's not in always the voice of God, it's not always in all the stuff or all the commotion or all the big flashes of light or the big warning signs and the big flashing lights that we want to see. God, give me a sign. Sometimes it's just that little nudge in your heart, in your spirit that says, this is the right thing to do. Because the Spirit of God will give you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding and of counsel. The spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Understanding beyond yourself. And then he would delight in obeying the Lord. You see that obedience is what opens the door to blessing. And so the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and counsel and understanding actually leads you to walk in obedience. Because when you hear the voice of God, it'll direct you in all things that you should do. And you won't judge by hearsay. You won't go by what's in the news. You won't go by what the crowd is saying or culture is saying. No, you'll go by what God is saying. I'm challenging you to grow intellectually. How do you do that? You get alone with God and you get the spirit and the wisdom of God living in your life. You ask God for it. You dig in His Word. You begin to think the way God thinks. You begin to see the way God sees. You begin to feel the way God feels because He places His Spirit inside of you and the wisdom that comes from it. How do you begin to walk in that and live in that? You begin to do it every day in your prayer life, in your time of worship, in your time of uh, devotion that you have every day with God. And you pray for it every day. God, give me your wisdom today. God, I'm going to start this day. I don't want to do it on my own. God, I need your wisdom. I need your guidance, your counsel. I need your understanding and I need your direction. God, if I'm doing something wrong, you tell me. God, if I'm about to make a bad decision, you stop me. And you watch and see if God won't step in. The word that I want to give you here is simply ask. Ask God and see if he does it. Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew intellectually. The Bible says that he grew in stature. So number two, the gains you need to get is you need to get gains physically. Underline, write down that word, physically. Jesus grew in stature, which means he grew in his physical body, in his physical presence, in his physical health. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. In the church world, we talk a lot about all the things that we don't do. Don't do drugs. Uh, don't be drunk with alcohol. Um, don't do things that are harmful to you. Don't use tobacco. Like we talk about all of these things that are harmful to us and all the sins and all the... But have you ever noticed that you get a good church group at a good buffet and boy, we'll tear into that buffet real good. You ever notice that church people like to eat a whole lot? You know, there was a time where it said sometimes physically church people were some of the most unhealthy people in America. That those who attended church and lived uh, as believers and claimed Jesus, we were actually some of the most physically unfit people. Now, I know what you're thinking. What difference does it make? What does that have to do with anything? Well, the Bible says your body doesn't belong to yourself. As a matter of fact, it's where the Holy Spirit lives. You represent Jesus with your body. So we must honor God 
with our body. I want to ask you, how are you treating the house of God, the vessel of God and your body? Why does that matter? Because the body and the soul and the spirit are all intertwined. They're all connected. Jesus not only grew in his wisdom, but he also grew in his stature. He took care of himself because he knew he had a purpose. He knew that God had him here for a reason. And if he was going to accomplish that, he had to be ready for it. Listen, that we're told that in America, we're taking more prescription drugs than ever before. We're taking more prescription drugs than ever before. As a matter of fact, most of us watching or listening today, many of us probably feel worse than we feel good. Probably most of us would say, well, I've all got some kind of physical problem, and, and that's the majority of most people. Did you know that heart disease is the leading cause of death in the U.S.? Heart disease is the leading cause of death, yet it is 80 to 90% preventable. The leading cause of death in America is 80 to 90% preventable. So why is it killing everybody if it's preventable? There's a few things that you have to do. You, you don't smoke and you don't use tobacco. You exercise, you eat healthy, you get good sleep, and what I like to say is you suffocate the stress. But many of us, we don't live that way. We live the fast food blessing life. Have you ever done this before? I've done this. I'm, I'm guilty of this. Many of us would take something like, say, a Big Mac, and we open up the Big Mac and the big fries, and we've supersized it. We've got a big drink that's like 900 calories and like 2,000 grams of sugar, and we'll say something like this. Uh, God, bless this food to my body and my body to your service. In other words, God perform a miracle in this Big Mac. Somehow make it good for me so that I can be good for you. Many of us are living that way with our bodies and we're treating what God has given us, the very vessel of God, we're treating it that way. We're treating it with contempt. James 4.17 says this, Before you think this doesn't matter or you're going to pass this one off to something else, the Bible says, Remember it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Stop robbing your health of tomorrow so that you can spend it today. In other words, the decisions you're making today will prolong the life that you live tomorrow. My dad died in his, uh, in his early 50s. He smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. And uh, he died of heart complications in the hospital having surgery because of an infection in his body because of the years of smoking. Now, uh, you know, we all have a, a limited number of days, and, and God knew the number of days of his life, but I believe that if he had taken care of himself better, he may have lasted a little longer. I'm making decisions today to honor God and to grow in my physical body, to grow physically so I can honor the Lord, so I can get the most out of the purpose that I'm living here today. If you know what the Bible says and you know what's right and you don't do it, it is a sin. Why does this matter? I think in Joshua chapter 14 with Caleb, he put it the most incredible way. And this is what I would love to be able to see out of the longevity of my life as I grow in stature. Caleb said this, So here I am today. I'm 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. 
Hey, I'm 85 years old and I'm as strong as I've ever been. I can still go out and fight the battle. God can still use me to do something even in my old age. Why? Because he had taken care of himself. Because he had grown in his wisdom enough to know that he had to take care of his body because his body is what's going to carry him through the course of this life. I'm challenging you this year in 2022, watch what you eat, get some exercise, lose some weight, get your heart healthy. I'm not talking because I got it all together because I'm perfect. I'm a work in progress every single day. But I recognize that Jesus' pattern of growth, the gains he got, was he grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, he was intellectually growing, he was physically growing. And then number three, the Bible says he grew in favor with God and man. We need to get the gains relationally. Get those gains this year relationally. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 says this, Let love and faithfulness, underline those two words, never leave you, bind them around your neck, Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win what? Favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Jesus grew with, in favor with God and man. He grew relationally with both his father and those who were around him. Favor was on his life. Why? The Bible says it right here. This is the key in Proverbs that you get a good name in the sight of God and man when you let love and faithfulness never leave you. Love and faithfulness. My wife of now 13 years as of December is my best friend. I have never uh, had such love and faithfulness that I have experienced on this earth like that of my wife. That because she loves me and because she's been so faithful to me and because through every season, both good and bad, she has been there. She has weathered the storm. She has celebrated the highs and we have endured and worked and cultivated through the lows. And because of that, I have so much faith that God is going to continue to do something incredible through our marriage because of her love and her faithfulness. So I have favor with her love. What is it? We need to understand what love is not. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says this, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Let love and faithfulness keep it on your heart. Bind it and never let it go. That's what gives you favor with God and man. When you bring love and you bring faithfulness to the relationships that are around you, when you bring love and faithfulness to your relationship with God, when you bring your love and your faithfulness to those who you're trying to reach and get the most out of your purpose and your time and make a difference in the lives of other people, bring that to your relationships. It brings favor. It brings favor from God and it brings favor from man. Very simple this year. If we get the gains out of 2022, if we multiply our life, if we multiply our purpose, if we do all that God has equipped and called us to do, you and I can be exactly who God has called us to be this year to live life on purpose and get those 
gains. Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with both God and man in his relationships. So you and I, this year, make it a point intellectually, ask God for it, for the growth and the wisdom that comes from God. You, you grow in your physical body, physically this year. Put some work behind it, some discipline, some time to make some adjustments to your schedule and your rest and your diet and all the things that make up our physical makeup. And then I would say in your relationships, let love and faithfulness in every area that you honor people and you serve people around you. And I promise you'll get those gains, you'll make a difference, and you'll live life on purpose this year. Will you bow your head with me? I want to pray for us today. I want to pray that over us today because I really believe that that's what God is calling us to. You may be watching today and you may not even have a relationship with Jesus. And I want to tell you, that's where you start. That's the key. That's the very foundation. That's what helps you launch into your purpose. I want you to ask Jesus today to be number one in your life. We're going to ask him for forgiveness of our sin and we're going to make a decision to commit our life to him. And then those of us who are following Jesus today, it's my prayer that you and I would begin to take this, we begin to work it, cultivate it, that we would present this to the Lord. Just as Jesus grew in his life, in wisdom, stature, and favor, intellectually, physically, and relationally, that in 2022 we would live this out because we were numbering our days so that we would cultivate and bring something to God as an honor to him. So God, I love you today. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this word. Thank you for a roadmap and a blueprint for our life. I pray for every one of my friends today who's watching that doesn't have a personal relationship with you. We just say today, we need you, Jesus. We confess our sin. We ask for forgiveness. We receive it. And we choose to put you first in our life today. And God, for every one of us who are living life on purpose, who are seeking you with all that we have, my prayer today is that we would embrace what you've given us, the blueprint from the life of Jesus, that we would get those gains, live out 2022 like the best year of our life. God, let us multiply, let us grow our purpose, our potential, our passion, and the promises that you've given to our life. Let's make this year the best it's ever been. And Jesus, you'll get all the credit for it in Jesus' name.